Hey, I'm Taylor Dorson, and this is the Professional Technical Interviewee. Technical interviews are hard, and every company does them differently. On this show, I interview engineering leaders to see what they look for in technical candidates, and then they perform a real technical interview with me. My guest today is Nick Patel. He's the CTO and co-founder of Cohesion. He's also formerly been a senior software engineer and lead engineer at a number of companies. We talk about what he's looking for in a senior software engineer at his growing tech startup. All right. Well, welcome to the, the show, Nick. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for being here. Thank you, Taylor. Absolutely. Uh, well, Nick Patel is a guest today. He's a CTO and co-founder of Cohesion. Uh, he's also a senior and lead software engineer at a whole slew of companies in the past. And I think the main goal of our talk and, and something that the Nick's passionate about is talking about what it takes to be a senior software engineer in a growing tech startup. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, this, the word senior uh, means different in different companies. Um, when it comes to startup, uh, especially for cohesion and uh, uh, me being uh, part of that journey throughout, uh, definitely got some things that I uh, would love to discuss today. Yeah, great. Well, can you give some insight and, and some background on, on your team and the company? Uh, certainly. So, uh, Cohesion is a smart building platform for high-rise commercial office buildings. Our focus is to uh, create an autonomous or generally autonomous buildings, um, breaking it down into uh, having smartness into the building, providing better experience, um, and also healthiness uh, when it comes to building. Uh, uh, two simple examples that I'd like to give uh, is uh, touchless access. With pandemic, it has become uh, become a thing. No one wants to touch anything. So what we have done is you could use your phone to get from uh, your lobby all the way to your desk using phone as a badge, calling an elevator using your phone, things like that. Um, and doing that with all sorts of integrations with devices and sensors. Also, while doing that, looking into uh, air quality of uh, your surrounding space, and when we see pollutant rise, commanding HVAC system to bring in fresh air and optimize air. So all in all, we focus on uh, making the environment healthier and smarter around you. Nice. That, that's probably huge. That's an interesting, interesting uh, idea as well. And something that I'm sure over the last year, two years that uh, people have started thinking more and more about, right? Uh, indeed. In, in fact, uh, you asked about team. We have gone from... Um, I think earlier this year, we were about uh, 20 people total uh, on our team. Right now, we are 50 plus. So wow. <laughs> the amount of growth that we have seen is just phenomenal. Um, and uh, even now, we are we are hiring for quite a few positions uh, today and, uh, uh, you know, continue to grow. Yeah, nice. Well, what was your pathway into technology? Uh, did you... You know, come straight out of school, uh, knowing you wanted to be a, an engineer, or what got you into tech? So I have always been a nerd. Um, the first thing I did when my dad got me a computer back in high school was uh, over those like dial-up modems, if you remember those things, right? Pretty, pretty slow uh, uh, compared to today's standards. I hacked my own computer over the internet. So that was the first thing I did. Um, so always been a nerd. My uh, my dream was to become a pilot. 
uh, hopefully that will still come to at some point. Uh, and, uh, but from there on, I did civil engineering. Uh, and while I was doing civil engineering, I was still doing programming. Um, it turned out to be more of a freelancing job uh, back in the days. And, uh, and this was back in India. Since then, I moved here, um, continued to do freelancing, uh, and then started working for large companies like Ericsson and Sprint, uh, mm-hmm. uh, working on uh, radio frequency engineering, RF engineering teams who manages uh, the telecom network. Um, but even there, I was doing a lot of programming. So uh, it, it is it has been a pretty inconven- uh, unconventional path from going to uh, civil engineering uh, in bachelor's and then coming here doing master's in computer science. So switching the career, uh, well, switching the career, I guess, but uh, it has been an unconventional path. And since then, um, just love what, what I do. Yeah. Well, how, how do you, you said that first job in, in basically doing programming work was freelance? Yeah. Yeah. So what happened was, um, Back in those days, the uh, the I guess the technology that was pretty famous was ASP.NET, the waveforms worlds of it, right? And then uh, Flash, and no one even uses that nowadays. In fact, sure. browser would come out and say we don't support it, you know. Uh, but it used to be pretty pretty uh, active in those days when we think of when we thought of websites. So. Uh, I I just used to help friends and help. Uh, other folks just do some cool things. What that turned out to be is um, there were small businesses that I got introduced to and they're like, hey, we pay you to do that. And I was like, well, I'll bring it in, right? I love what I know. <laughs> uh, if I make money for what I uh, love to do, by all means, I will do it. And uh, that turned out to be freelance business, created my own thing, had a couple of people helping me. Um, so I have been in this entrepreneurial mindset since since very early in my career, I did not intend it to be my career at that point. It's just simply, you're paying money, I'm going to take it, and I'm going to still do the work that I love. Sure. Um, and this was, like I said, back in India. Yeah, great. And then what what led you to Cohesion, this, this most recent role? Um, precisely this. So, like I said, I, my background is in civil engineering. When I was doing civil engineering, um, my focus... Um, uh, in terms of the uh, the whole like final projects and where I used to focus in my civil engineering days was sustainability. Mm. Uh, so uh, looking at that, right, and then looking at uh, property technology where I could use that passion of software and sustainability and uh, apply those skills from both of my academic background, civil engineering and computer science, um, drew me to it pretty pretty heavily. And um, th- there was a time where I had multiple offers uh, when I was looking uh, looking at cohesion. Uh, but since day one, when I heard about cohesion, it was always like, oh, no, I want to go for that, right? Um, and the decision I had to make was pretty cushy job, uh, really good pay and uh, everything that you would expect in a job versus a startup where you had no idea what's going to happen day one. Yeah. <laughs> um, in fact, one of the fun story um, on day one, I joined our first 9 a.m. meeting was, 
our first customer may not join, so we don't know if you're running your cash on us. Like, so, uh, but I, I'm glad I did that. Uh, it's it's been three years since I joined Cohesion, co-founded, and been working uh, from bottom up. It's it's been hell of a journey, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that that's often, especially at the, the senior level, right? That's the decision yes. often in the startup world is, do I keep doing what I've done in the past or maybe done, you know, for a while of this safer, larger company, at least feel safer, right? This larger company yeah. with all the benefits and the 401k match and everything. Or do I toss all that out the window and go to this, you know, four person <laughs> company where, you know, it could go great in three years or it could completely explode. Right. So, yeah. That's interesting. And I think that's hard for a lot of people when you're used to that type of security, especially if you have a family or especially any type of thing outside pressure, right? So mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm curious. I mean, and you said you've, you've grown that team quite a bit. So I'm assuming you've done a lot of technical interviews recently internally? Uh, yes, we have. Um, earlier this year, um, I was doing interviews from end to end. Uh, since we have grown to pretty pretty heavy uh, team structure at this point, um, we have quite a few folks on our teams that are part of the interview process. And um, generally, when the interviews come to me at this point, it's mostly like, "Hey, we, we love this person, and we want to uh, we want to hire that person." At that point, it becomes a discussion of. Um, obviously looking at a technical fit, right? Just at a very high level, but I trust my team that, you know, they, they know what they're doing and they do actually. Um, and uh, then looking at culture fit, as well as looking at uh, startup fit and making sure that all in all, the person's coming in uh, to help us grow even further. Uh, we, in Q2, we have gone through a growth of like every week we would have, oh, we have three people joining today. Like every Monday meeting starts with that. Um, and we are seeing that uh, that level of growth again. Wow, that, that's big. Uh, so I guess it makes it a little easier on you now, right? You're not having to do the whole, the whole process yourself, but at least you've got, you're more the, uh, I used to call them the handshake conversations at the end, right? As long as they don't do something wild in that conversation, hopefully uh, it leads to an offer, right? Yeah, exactly. And you'd be surprised it does happen even in final interviews. You go sure. in final interviews and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I yeah. get it, you are technical, right? Technical is not a problem, but it's um, when we are hiring a person, it's not only about technical. There are quite sure. a lot of folks, especially when you're looking at senior folks, it, it matters. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, can you can you talk to some of that? I guess what are you evaluating typically um, during that interview process? So um, the the way we have process set up internally is anytime there is a position, um, we create a job acquisition form, um, mm -hmm. essentially laying out what are we looking for in the person, right? And it it spans all the way from, uh, for example, let's say it's a backend engineer. Okay, you are a backend engineer. What what technologies, what team you are going on. We have multiple technologies that we leverage uh, all the way from uh, Microsoft ecosystem, .NET Core, SQL, et cetera, to uh, Node.js, Neo4j, Scala, walls of it, right? So depending on what team you are going on, um, uh, what does your experience need to look like for at least next six months? Uh, startup is, is ever-changing and saying, hey, you're going to do this in two years. Uh, if we said that, we'd be, we'd be lying to ourselves. Yeah. So we start by looking at, um, we want someone who, under, 
obviously has strong fundamentals that is very critical um, and more so knows when to apply them. Uh, it, I totally find like Google all day long, not a problem. I do that even today. Like it's like, oh, wait, is it, is it dot length, dot size, dot count? Like which one it is on array length, right? It's, it's totally fine. That's why Google exists. Well, I guess that's not why it exists, but that's why it exists for us, right? Um, but having that strong fundamental of how do you uh, actually solve a problem is pretty mm -hmm. critical to us. Uh, so that's one. Second is, uh, okay, you are coming in as a senior. Um, what uh, Do we want this person to grow into a lead uh, pretty quick or is it an open path for them as well? Um, mm -hmm. It is pretty common for us to see senior folks come in and say, oh, I love being senior. I want to get into lead management path in general, or no, I want to get into technical path. Uh, mostly it's uh, it's the latter, but some knowing we want to know about that, right? So that we can cre create that path. And as a startup, growth comes naturally for us. So yeah. preparing that and making sure we understand what they want. Um, at that point, we we do have uh, globally distributed teams, not just U.S. distribution, U.S. distributed teams. So we have quite a few folks that are remote in U.S., but also in Argentina and India. So wow. how do you work, especially as a senior, how do you work with distributed teams different, across different time zones? Uh, what is your mentoring style? Things like that. Mm -hmm. So we would create that whole job requisition form, uh, make sure we know what we are looking for, um there are a few questions that are um that are more of um uh i would say conversation starter right just understanding the person better that happens in the first round so um, megan who is our uh, in-house talent expert talent acquisition expert when she looks at uh, and talks with someone um, she would basically talk about all of that, about the company, what are we looking for, is that a good fit, things like that. Um, that's when we get into technical side of interview. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, depending on the position, there is a take-home code challenge. Take the time you need. We expect that it should be done in two to three hours. However, take the time you need. Um, and if you come in and say, two hours, I'm done, I didn't have time to do X, Y, Z, totally fine, right? It's a we want to respect our candidates' time. Yeah. So they could simply say, hey, I did it in two hours. If I had more time, I would have done X, Y, Z. And that's that's totally fine with us. Um, so when the technical interviews come in, the um, interviewers on our side, be it leads or seniors, they would have looked at code, they would have questions ready. And then at that point, it becomes a discussion. It's mm -hmm. not, again, it's not about can you type, right? We, we already... We already assumed that you know how to type, right? Uh, it's, okay, you have solved a problem. Let's actually understand your thought process, design process, um, and then take that one step further to say, all right, this is great, great solution, product comes in or something else happened. Now we have other requirements. How would you go about solving that? Let's let's discuss that. Um, interview has always been a two-way street, right? Especially for senior folks, we always see it as two-way street. So as much as we are interviewing a uh, candidate, they are interviewing company as well. It's like, is that a good fit for me? Mm -hmm. um, and we obviously want to leave a pretty good impression. So we would go through that. Um, 
we would also have some senior folks on the team uh, and uh, on the management side, right? Our program director, Ben, et cetera, uh, would talk to candidate in terms of culture and um, how do we work. Uh, at that point, if everything looks good, uh, I would I would talk to the candidate as well. Um, and uh, offer goes out and they are part of the cohesion team. Yeah, nice. So, so to make sure I understand correctly, it's a call with um, talent acquisition initially, right? Then a take home exercise for them. Then it sounds like kind of a, a final or a, a more lengthy conversation and then a conversation with you. So kind of four steps in total. Correct. Now, yeah. uh, third and fourth step could be combined. Uh, generally, we try to combine them as well to uh, shorten the process. Uh, but in general, those are the phases that we go through. Yeah, nice. And does that does that system change depending on the role and the the individual, or is it you know pretty static? You try to put everyone through the same same um, interview process. Uh, it it certainly does. So, for example, um, we we were recently looking for a principal engineer. For them, it was not about can you code, right? At, at that point, we expect you code and you do code well. That's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at that point, it was, hey, here's the problem set. Um, and we more went into case study approach. Um, mm. Come up with a solution. You could write it in Markdown or create a PowerPoint presentation. We do not, does not matter. Um, it does change from that aspect, uh, depending on how senior we are going. However, when it comes to engineers, um, the coding challenge itself differs, right? So front end is different than back end versus platform versus API. Um, and each team has created the challenge that they would like to put in front of a candidate because mm. that's who they uh, they would work with when the candidates come in. Uh, the process remains same. Some of the species uh, uh, get shuffled uh, up and down. Uh, if it's a referral, it goes much quicker, right? Because at that point, a lot of that thing is like, oh, you have worked with that person. We know what it's going to look like. Um, and if it comes from our internal team, that goes much faster. Yeah. Well, that that's the thing when you're you're trying to scale a startup, right? Is those referrals become so much more <laughs> valuable and important because if someone can say, "No, I I know this person, we've worked together, I can at least vouch for some some element of quality right to the work versus just someone outside where you have to basically start from ground zero, right? I think that's why a lot of people it's easier to scale to a certain point, right? And then you run out of <laughs> you run out of friends and connections, and that's hard, right? Indeed. Indeed, and uh, we had uh, we have had instances where, um, in some cases where it was a referral interview did not go well from mm-hmm. from um, certain aspects, right? And we we're like, hey, this happened, um, and it was much easier conversation because it was a referral. We could just talk like, hey, I don't know what happened, but this did not feel right, and then we would just go back and forth like, oh, never mind. All right, makes sense. Let's just keep moving, you know? Yeah. Um, and we tried to do that same thing with uh, with all of the candidates to provide them some sort of feedback, right? Is like I said, it's a two-way street. We ask for feedback and we provide feedback. Um, so if one interview does not go well, it's totally fine, right? Like bounce back next time. It's it's a startup life. We we are all used to it. Sure. Uh, great. And, and how do you think in the past um, you've done in technical interviews yourself? So, do sorry, you so love them? Do you hate them? Uh, technical interviews. When you were the the interviewee, how do you feel you've done you did in the past? Did you you love them? Did you hate them? Somewhere in between? Um, somewhere, somewhere in between. Uh, especially so, 
uh, one thing that I, I love to do um, when I'm on the other side and I'm an interviewee, um, I, I love to research about the company. I love to research about the person that I'm going to be interviewing. And what, what it does is while I may not know everything, um, it just helps me provide the context to talk in terms of having a sort of a common language, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, you're working, this is the company. I know you're working in this tech. I see you worked in XYZ area. Um, so I'm sure you ran into that. And yeah. for example, let's say my interviewer was, um, let's just call him John, right? And uh, I'm talking to John and I see he, he worked in MVC and we are talking about web APIs now, but it was much easier to bring up and say, hey, you were working in MVC in Microsoft ecosystem. They have combined that um, and now it looks like this. I don't have to worry about rendering it in a certain way versus just responding with JSON. That, that context makes it much, uh, much fluid conversation. Now, sure. there were times where that did not work well because uh, sometimes interviewers just come in with a script. It's like, yeah. these yeah. are the questions I'm going to hit, and then that's it. And that's my like checklist criteria. And uh, for what it's worth, if that happened, I, I would pull myself out. It's like, yeah, that's now, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think the, the more you can come in with I don't know, something prepared, right? I, I think a lot of people just think, oh, well, I'll go to this interview and, and I'll just respond to whatever they say, right? I like to have something coming in, right? At least you, you're bringing something to the table. And I think so often interviewing is a game of inches, right? Where the difference between the person who gets a, an offer and maybe who doesn't could be pretty small, right? And it might be, oh, you know, yeah, let's let's give her an offer because uh, we had a really great conversation and she mentioned X, Y, and Z, right? And it's as, as small as, oh, I mean, she did a little bit more research and looked at the LinkedIn page and saw MVC and also Scala and asked the question, hey, Nick, you, you use Scala and, um, and .NET technologies in the same stack? Like, what led to that, right? And that's a whole different conversation instead of just, you know, kind of boilerplate questions and responding to them, right? Suddenly, and that question has come up and I love that. I was like, oh, wait, yes, let me explain. And it would make sense and all of that. Uh, but yeah, that that preparedness uh, goes a long way. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are worried necessarily to, to ask, right? If they don't get all those information from, from the recruiter, like who you're going to meet with. Um, mm -hmm. I always tell people, you can ask, you can ask a recruiter anything. <laughs> they might tell you they don't know, but most yeah. of the time they just, they aren't sending it to you because, you know, they have a lot to do. Right? So you can say, hey, who am I meeting with? What will be the focus of the conversation? Anything I should keep in mind when I'm speaking with them, right? And at the very least, you'll probably get a name you can find on LinkedIn, right? Or at least their, their, maybe their, their team page or something, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, great. Um, well, do you have any type of systems that you use uh, you have used in the past to break down technical interview questions? Let's say you're in a situation where you go, oh, I don't know, you know, immediately how to solve this. What do you do? that point so um yes we we uh, in terms of the interview process itself it normally for us with the technical interviews it starts uh, on a common ground because of that case study or uh, take-home challenge right generally we start interview with you have already solved the problem we know you can solve a problem otherwise we wouldn't be talking in the first place right yeah so let's start with that. We want to understand your thought process when you went through this challenge itself. So that starts up a 
pretty good conversation. Um, and it's something that candidate has gone through themselves. So them being able to talk about it is normally pretty, pretty okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and there comes a time where they're like, I, I don't know what to do. And it is okay to say that we do not expect everyone to know everything because if it was again, wouldn't be true, right? Not everyone knows everything. So, um, I I generally prefer a candidate come out and say, hey, I don't know this, but I think that, uh, or it could be that, or just simply, I don't know, sorry about that. And all of those answers are totally fine. Um, the, um, the matter is, how would you go about approaching it after that? Mm. So from a senior standpoint, um, so th- again, depending on your experience, if you're a junior, it's pretty straightforward. Go to one of your um, senior team members and say, I tried this, I tried XYZ approach, does not seem right, what should I do, right? At that point, it becomes a mentor session. Um, As a senior, it's totally fine too, right? Like go to your peers, go to your uh, principals, go to someone else, or just simply post in an internal channel, or for that matter, um, external technical channels, right? Go to .NET channels or some sort of Slack channels. just being able to see that the person is not going to give up when they don't know is is important to us, right? Sure. Not knowing is common. How do you go about solving when you don't know is important. So, um, and it all, always comes a time and during the interview process, uh, as we keep going deeper and deeper, there always comes a time. It's like, at this point, I don't know what I would do right away, but mm-hmm. I could go back and come back to you and write an email, which has happened and we prefer that. Um, or it could be simply, I don't know what I would have done, but I would take X, Y, Z step and that would get me to a closer to answer. We basically say, that's good enough. Let's move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like that a lot. And the, the I don't know, something I've realized internally on my team, like our, our lead might not always know the right solution, um, but it, what I think he does a very good job of is knowing, is there someone at the company um, internally who, who does have an answer to that, right? And he can go, oh, we got to talk to so-and-so and they'll have the answer for this, right? And we should both be a part of that conversation so we both know going forward. Um, or he knows, oh, this is where we should look for that type of answer, right? And I think that's a, a whole part of seniority, right? Is just knowing, okay, well, we can't just accept we're stuck. Right? We've got to find some path forward because we have to deliver to the business. So what are our avenues to do that? Right. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, simply asking for help is sign of strength. Yeah. It's just as simple as that. Yeah. And I think in interviews, often people are trying to push folks to the edge of their, their kind of their knowledge level, right? Like you want to see how far, um, how deep can I go with this before someone says, I don't know, right? Because they might be very deep in some areas and and a little more shallow in other areas, but that's fine. That that's, that's an interview approach of let's go as deep as we can, right? And then work our way back. And I think sometimes people get worried when they go, I said, I don't know, five times during that interview. And it's like, no, that was the goal, right? You you knew up until that point and that's fine, right? And then Mm -hmm. it's, it's, um, what do you do after that, right? Yeah. Um, We, for what it's worth, we also use that as like, we know through our conversations, we don't know that you, we know that you don't know these things, right? It's totally fine when you come in, we are going to make sure that there are growth opportunities and learning opportunities for you. And um, it's, you did not know that 
if you're interested in learning more, we have an opportunity, we'll, we'll give you that chance, right? So uh, part of that job requisition form that I talked about earlier, we do set up 30, 60, 90 goals. Mm -hmm. So someone coming in, um, we normally have an idea of 30 days, you're going to do this. That's pretty concrete. 60 days is a bit, bit, bit vague and 90 days is even more broader. Um, and things could or may change. Um, and for startup life, it's pretty common. It's like, we want you to do this for 90 days, but never mind, right? Things changed and this is your 90 days. Um, but generally we, we do that as part of in the next 30, 60 days, this is what we need to do. Also, the uh, folks that are going to be a buddy. So when someone joins us, there is a buddy that would work with them. Them knowing what to expect, what not to expect makes that onboarding experience much better. Sure. Yeah, that's huge. I think just having an onboarding buddy, someone <laughs> you can ask yeah. questions to, right? And not have to be worried that, oh, I'm bothering my manager who's got a thousand things to do, right? Yeah. Great. Um, do you have any any tips or advice for engineers going into technical interviews? Um, so a couple of that, I'd actually give, give two answers to this. One, as an interviewee, uh, what I used to do, as an interviewer, what I would look for, right? So as an interviewee, the tips are prepare. It, it matters. Um, spending that half an hour up front preparing matters, uh, especially like learning quick something about company, something about the person you're talking with. Takes about 10 to 15 minutes uh, going on LinkedIn, et cetera, prepare. Um, ask questions, like you said, ask your recruiter, what is gonna be the focus of my conversation? So you can come in with that mindset versus just going, flying in blind is never never good for any sites. It's, it's a waste of time at that point. Um, and then after that, um, we, we know that uh, for maybe for senior folks, it's not as big of a deal depending on where you are in the seniority level. Um, however, for um, uh, recent seniors, uh, it, it is we do see nervousness coming into the interviews. Like, oh, I, I have to prove myself, right? Um, and to a certain extent, yes, you do. At the same time, it is not just about um, uh, winning a medal there, right? It is. It is a two-way conversation and understanding the culture. It is also critically important to prepare for the questions that you are going to ask. Uh, as an interviewee, that was always part of my preparation is, okay, last step was with HR. I asked different questions than I would ask the lead. Um, it would be different when I ask my manager or to be manager, et cetera. So prepare for questions that you want to ask. Um, mm -hmm. It's also okay to just give out those questions up front and say, hey, I may need 10 minutes of time for me to discuss those questions. It, it's totally fine, do that. So interviewer come in prepared and say, all right, our time slot, 50 minutes is mine, 10 minutes I wanna give to this other person, right? So as an interviewee, prepare as much and uh, make sure it's communicated well. Uh, it, it's just in general, pretty important. As an interviewer, um, well, I expect that you're coming prepared. Uh, but what I also expect uh, and something that we, we focus on is we know that when you are going through interview, there might be some sort of a, uh, a pressure, right? It's like, okay, I'm interviewing on the other side. And we try to keep that out of the picture uh, so that it, we could make it more conversational. 
the other thing that we do is we come in prepared. Uh, look at the coding challenge, look at the resume, understand where the person is coming from, understand their background. Are they coming from big companies? Are they coming from startups? Um, we have seen people go from, go from senior to lead, to back to senior, to back to individual contribute. We have seen all sorts of stuff uh, in the resumes, right? Uh, but just knowing that you come from this background, you have worked in these technologies, makes it pretty easy. Uh, for example, the resume will say, we used Kafka um, on the resume. And then at Cohesion, we use Azure's um, service bus. Totally fine, right? Those are in a way fundamentally different technologies. Uh, or sorry, fundamentally they are message brokers. Uh, however, the actual implementation of it differs. So just knowing that coming in and saying, I understand you're not works on service bus, we do but you know Kafka, I know Kafka, let's actually talk in the language you understand. It especially gets pretty important when, when you're talking AWS versus Azure. It's, by the way, your SNS and SQS is my service bus, or like notification services, or yeah. um, just being able to set that common language is interviewer's job. Uh, and interviewers should come in prepared with that. Yeah. Nice. So that, that that's great. I think that's very helpful. And I don't know, being prepared is something that I feel like is a common um, trend of this this show is asking for the study guide from the recruiter, but also do your own research, right? Like you gotta you gotta come in with something. Otherwise, I don't know. You're you're based like you said, you're going in blind, and often it's a waste of time, right? And yep. I don't know if that's sometimes maybe a lack of interest from folks, but to me, if you're gonna invest an hour or two hours of your just just as an interviewee, your day, uh, that's a lot of time, right? To, to yeah. spend with a company and they're investing time in you. It doesn't take a ton of time to look people up right? <laughs> and do the extra exactly. 15 minutes of work. Exactly. Um, and if you're not prepared, call it out up front. It's like, hey, I did not have time. Because if you have a back-to-back back -back interviews, right? Um, for candidates that are actively going through full-time job and an interview, maybe you did not have as much time as you'd like. Right. Um, but even then, spend some time yeah. and um, make sure that when you're spending that time, you can make the best out of it. Yeah. Great. Any, any different advice for early career engineers? I'm sure nerves are, are just as much, if not more of a factor <laughs> for, for folks in that spot. Um, for, yeah, for those folks, especially for early career folks, we know you don't know everything. We do not expect you to know everything. Right. Um, in fact, that's one thing I do look for in early career folks is, are they comfortable saying, I do not know I need help? Yeah. Uh, or on the fly saying, hey, I don't know the answer to this. How would you have solved this? Right. Mm -hmm. Just put it back on, on the interviewer and uh, see how interviewer would interact with you. Uh, do they go into like, nah, it's not my job to do it. I'm going to move on. That's a red flag versus ideally I would have done this and then just move on to the next thing, but at least giving some sort of an answer. Mm -hmm. From a culture standpoint, it shows that the culture is of uh, uh, fostering talent, right? Collaboration. It is not about you are junior and we're gonna treat you as such, right? Or, or it is more so we want to make sure that um, when you say, I don't know, which like I said, for early career folks, it, it comes multiple times uh, during the interview and totally fine. Um, 
how do they react to it is important. So it is okay to say no. It is okay to say, I don't know how I would have solved this. Give me some pointers. Yeah. Um, I remember one of the things that uh, had landed me an offer. I did not end up going for that. Uh, this was like a couple of jobs ago was um, I actually, and I was not, I was applying for senior position uh, and did get a senior work. I did end up saying, I don't know what to do here. Um, what would you have done? The person basically said I would have done X, Y, Z. Uh, and then I was like, I like that. I'm going to go research this. I did research. It was a pretty cool technology. Um, and I was like, this is pretty awesome. Never heard of it. This is awesome. Ended up writing an email saying, uh, I told you I did not know this. Thanks for right, guiding me in the right direction. I researched about this thing. I love this. And I think this would have or would not have made sense. I wrote up that email and that alone actually saved me an, another interview because uh, I was supposed to talk like two interviews more with one manager and one like VP. And I did not even need to go with VP, did manager, and then I got an offer. Yeah. Um, and then when I asked, it's like, hey, why not? They're like, uh, we just loved how you responded to the whole thing. So um, it's how do you how do you present yourself matters. So for early career folks, say, I don't know, it's fine. How would you solve that? See how they actually approach that. Because as an early career, your focus is how much can I grow? How much can I learn? And is this company going to help me learn? Um, yeah. You will see red flags pretty quick if it's not gonna be the case. Yeah, I can echo that 100%. Um, I, I, I use that technique a lot in interviews when I am stuck, right? It's I don't really know where where I would continue to move forward at this point. Like, what do you think? Or if I'm going, you know, kind of throwing ideas out there or approaches to a problem saying, well, this seems like the best idea to me. Like, what do you think? Right. And probably 98% of the time, either I get at the very least, like, yeah, that makes sense to me. Right. Which to me is the green light. Let's go down that path or yes. the. I don't know. I might think of something different, right? Which goes, okay, maybe, maybe I got to think about this a little bit more. Right. Um, but it's, I, I don't think I've ever had someone say like, Oh, I I'm the interviewer. I'm not going to tell you, right. Like they want you to be successful and like, right. it's their job to give you feedback during that conversation. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Um, well, before we move into the second half here, do you have any technical interview horror stories you're willing to share? Yeah, I actually do. Uh, so I'll talk about one that, that was like really early in my career. Um, I was applying for this job and uh, the interview was about, I think it was about noontime or something. And um, the interviewer showed up. Uh, so this is me as an interview just coming in for a job. The interviewer showed up. All I could see was like face down. So I could only see like this area, like nose down up till neck. And that's all I could see uh, in terms of that person talking to me, right? And the whole interview went like that. And I actually ended up saying like, I, I don't see you. I did not understand some of the things that you are asking me. Um, and they just simply did not respond to it. And we, we, we just kept going. Um, so that happened. And then um, they asked certain questions about um, electronic chip design. 
And I was like, I, I don't know why it matters because that's not the job role I'm applying for. I do not design electronic chips, right? That's not, I do not work metal right now. I work software. Um, and they're like, no, but you're applying for this and you need to know this. And I was like, okay, well, let's go back to physics. And we ended up talking about P and uh, P uh, junctions and junctions and node and all that stuff. Um, and then they rejected me. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, thank God you did, because otherwise I was going to probably uh, move on anyways. But um, that has happened. And then as, as an interviewer, um, I think that the, it's not necessarily a horror story, but uh, something that is important is ensuring that your audiovisual is, works well. Yeah. It's pretty common that you would go in and you would either see a Zoom meeting, Teams meeting, Google Meet meeting, or I don't know, three other out there, right? Um, and there are times where you would not be used to some of the softwares. We have had that happen with Teams in general. Um, do make sure that your uh, AV is set up up front. And because if it's not, you end up spending 10, 15, 20 minutes out of your 45 minutes call. At that point, again, it's a waste of time on both sides. So mm-hmm. um, do that. We have had those instances where we tried this in three different interviews, same person, all three times they were not prepared with AV. And then all three times we ended up spending uh, like about 10 to 15 minutes up front. And then we're like, mm, doesn't make sense. If you cannot prepare for that, that just shows a big red flag to us. Technically, they were solid, right? But just showing that preparedness, it's fine first time, right? I get it. Something always goes wrong with technical stuff. It's computers. They don't do what we ask them to do. And we know that as engineers, but uh, it's fine the first time. Second time, um, why not? Third time, yeah. at that point, it wasn't even like, at that point, it's like why why right yeah uh, why not come prepared why not just say two minutes in this is not working out let me just call you on cell phone yeah and, yeah um, uh it's not like i said it's not that big of a horror story uh, there are some others which uh, for personal reasons wouldn't go into but um make sure your is good <laughs> yeah and and that's another thing you can ask the recruiter what is this going to be over right i I hate when something's over Teams, but I know that. So when someone sends me a Teams link or I ask and they say it's going to be over Teams, I'm like, all right, let me go make sure this this issue doesn't happen. That always happens, right? And you set it up the morning before, and then I don't touch anything. I leave it. <laughs> you know, I say it's, it's done. Uh, great. Well, we'll take a quick break here, and then we'll we'll get back into it. And I think this this technical portion will be a little bit different. Um, the idea is you're going to talk through what your typical interview looks like, maybe a little bit more in detail. Um, as uh, as basically if you're interviewing a senior engineer, right, rather than than me coding along. So, uh, we'll come back with that shortly. That's good. Thanks, Stella. Thank you for watching the first half of the professional technical interviewee. The technical interview will be released one week from this episode, so be sure to subscribe to make sure you don't miss it. New episodes are released on the first four Thursdays of each month. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. And remember, keep practicing.